Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Welcome back, everyone. Nice to uh, have you join us here again this afternoon. Uh, this morning, we were <clears throat> treated to a very um, good talk on raising children, and uh, I found it very valuable personally. Um, lots of food for thought and, and areas to grow as a father myself of four children, gifts from God. And uh, yeah, on the uh, the basis of that, now we're moving on to our next subject, which is related to God's design for the home and the topic of marriage. So looking forward to this and uh, um, pray that God could use our brother here to share with us and to challenge us to better and deeper uh, marriages, marriages that would glorify God and would be a type of our relationship to Christ and would be a light in this, this dark and broken world. There's so many homes <clears throat> around us that are experiencing a lot of brokenness and people are suffering. Um, the marriage partners suffer, obviously, but I always have to think of the children and how they must suffer and how they must have a lot of unanswered questions and a lot of confusion and and um, uncertainty of what what is up and what's down and their moral compass must be quite uh, quite messed up because of the situations they're born into and and these children can't help it um, they're born into these homes and they have to make the best of it but we as adults have the ability to make the best of our marriages and produce a safe place for our um, children through that. So looking forward to this talk and um, what we can learn from it. So we'll uh, begin with the word of prayer here. We'll hand our time over to our brother. So after the talk, just keep this in mind, we're going to have a time of Q&A. And just to make everyone aware, this morning we had a technical issue where it appeared like um, nobody was able to unmute themselves to be able to ask questions, and we apologize for that. But uh, we'll try to make sure that doesn't happen this time. And so, yeah, be ready with your questions for for this talk afterwards, or even if you have something to bring up from the last talk, please feel free to do that. So keep that in mind as we go through this and uh, let's pray. God's blessing on our brother. Lord, we come before you this afternoon. We're thankful for your goodness and for being our father, our eternal father that we can trust in and that we can look to for stability in a very unstable world. We thank you for being that rock in the time of storms and that you don't move and you're always there for us and that you care about us and you want what's best for us. And sometimes <clears throat> we experience um, painful things in life and we wonder why you allow these things to happen. But looking back, we can see that you were good through those times and that we learned some very valuable things. So help us, Lord, to keep on trusting you as we take each step forward and, and help us in our marriages to 
um, grow um, in our love for our partner and for uh, each other, that we could be a light in this dark world, that we could have stable homes and marriages that could be an example in a broken world. We thank you for the example and the teaching that you give to us in the um, Bible. And help us, Lord, as we look into your word to learn what you have for us. And bless our brother. Uh, be with John here as he prepares um, to share with us. Help him to be able to uh, speak clearly to us and challenge us to uh, learn to um, be more like you and to see the areas of need and growth um, that we need to areas that we need to grow in and become more like Christ in 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 our marriages so that we could provide stable homes and uh, again be a light in this world go with us this afternoon God and direct this and may your blessing be upon each one who has gathered in to participate or who is listening to this talk in the future that your your truth could impact our lives and uh and make an impact in the broader society. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, brother. John, go ahead. Um, God bless. All right, thank you. Um, yes, well, marriage, I, I think it's a I think it's a great subject. I <clears throat> I have been married um it'll be 25 years this fall and um you know, I, I just think it's a wonderful, most wonderful thing in, in life, really, <clears throat> that we can experience. So <clears throat> I want to, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, first of all, think a little bit about the just what marriage is and um, thinking of it as a masterpiece that God designed, um, like maybe the most... Um, the most or the best expression God could give us uh, to describe himself, uh, to express himself. And so <clears throat> let's look at marriage as, as, you know, God's best effort to express his nature. Um, <clears throat> so we have, we have marriage and I think we all, um, you know, the, Everybody has this some concept of what marriage should be, but as we get around people in the world, uh, whether it's you know wherever we go, it seems that there's kind of a cynical attitude about marriage. It's like people know that it's supposed to be really good, but their experience ah, it's been kind of hard and disappointing. <clears throat> And that feels sad to me because it doesn't, we don't need to be cynical about marriage. And, um, and so I'd like to talk about that. <clears throat> so originally God made this beautiful design, this masterpiece, but it was marred. It was, and it wasn't completely destroyed, but it was, <clears throat> it was made, there was ugliness, um, it was, yeah, it was not, not, uh, 
very beautiful the way God created it. And so, <clears throat> you know, that's what I'm talking about whenever we people make these uh, cynical remarks about marriage. Uh, they're looking at the they're looking at what has happened and they're looking at the uh, the ugly marks of sin and selfishness. But I would like us to take another look today. <laughs> Let's <clears throat> not just look at the ugly marks and what has been broken, but um, God didn't give up when his original design was um, was messed up a little bit. He recreated something that is actually very, very beautiful with what's with what's left <laughs> if we can say it that way um now i believe that god's ultimate intention is to restore everything <clears throat> but there is something about taking something that's been broken and that god has created something with even with some defects in it and um created something that's that's truly awesome um <clears throat> so let's not let's not sit around and sigh and groan for what was lost but let's look at what god has done with us and with people that have been broken uh to me it's it's incredible how two people that have been broken by sin by corruption of this world um god can take two people put them together in a relationship that's very vulnerable <clears throat> very intimate and um just truly really amazing so <clears throat> we can learn what marriage should be by looking at god we can also learn who god is by looking at marriage um, now, we need to be careful in that because, as we talked about, there's a lot of <clears throat> things that are, aren't like God uh, in a lot of marriages. Um, so we have to sort that out. I think it's all the more wonderful because it doesn't seem like it should be able to work at all. Um, but it does. It can. So... <clears throat> If we, as we read through the scriptures, it seems that um, the the picture we get is God has given us marriage as a example of how He wants to relate to us, the kind of relationship that He that He really desires. So in the Old Testament, we have the prophets; they talked of God's people as God's bride. And uh, but it seemed like a very frustrating relationship over and over again. God was angry. God was jealous <clears throat> because his bride was always going off with other lovers, and he was. Yeah, he, God was. It's a frustrating story <clears throat> reading through the Old Testament with God's God as the lover and Israel and his people as the as the bride and um so finally you know we go through that and god 
you know, he tells his frustration, his anger, but then he says that I'm going to do something new. I'm going to put my laws in your heart and in your mind. And you're going to think like I think. You're going to become, you're going to see the world like I see the world. And, um, you know, this is, this is an exciting picture because uh, <laughs> it's it's a way to have an even more intimate relationship. You become like each other and uh, and not this frustration of <clears throat> the way things were. And then we get to the end of the Bible and we see uh, in Revelation 21 verse 2, it says, And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Um, I don't know about you, but I really want to be part of that. That's <clears throat> That just seems really exciting to me. As a bride adorned for her husband. Um, to have... I mean, girls in this world get excited about guys that they think are, you know, pretty nice or whatever. Um, <clears throat> talk about their knight in shining armor coming to um, take them away. But, you know, here we have, we have Jesus Christ. I mean, he is much better than <laughs> any of us. <laughs> and we get to be the bride. Uh, that's an awesome thing to think about. <clears throat> so, a couple verses. As with uh, with raising children, I think that you know the Bible doesn't specifically give a lot of time to telling us how to um, how how our marriages should work, but <clears throat> it tells us a couple things that that essentially give us the whole bible to learn from and um and so i'd like to read a couple verses here in ephesians chapter 5 <clears throat> verse 24 it says therefore as the church is subject unto christ so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything verse 25 husbands love your wives even as christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. <clears throat> so we see the directions given to us in marriage as The husbands to be like Christ, the wives to be like the church. <clears throat> and um, I think we have a lot in Scripture that tell us about these things. Okay, so <clears throat> as we look at God and his relationship, we look at the, um, yeah, the relationship of Jesus Christ with his people. What do we learn? What, how should we act? How should we as husbands act? Um, for all of you wives, how should you act? And what does this look like? Um, so I would like to start with, with pleasure in marriage. 
I, in this world, we often think of the pursuit of pleasure as not the best way to go about life. Um, but I would like to talk about <clears throat> some of that. So I, I firmly believe that God created marriage for pleasure. And um, now that's that's one aspect of it. But I I, <clears throat> I want to uh, ex explain what I mean. Revelations four verse eleven. It says, "Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created." <clears throat> God desires pleasure. Um, so we have a God that loves pleasure, <laughs> and pleasure is not something that we came up with, but it was God's idea. So <clears throat> the scriptures tell us that we were created to give God pleasure. That's what we're here for. So <clears throat> here a couple of weeks ago, I was meditating on that, and um, that could almost seem a little... Um, hard to accept, maybe, that, that God created us to give him pleasure. Does that mean that we're like these God's slaves, that we need to stroke his feathers and make him feel good? Um, and then I, I guess, <clears throat> you know, I thought about, realized that, that um, the only reason I think thoughts like that is because I am... I have a tendency towards selfishness. God is not a selfish person. And so I think probably all of us have experienced receiving pleasure by giving someone else pleasure. Um, you know, it could be giving someone a gift. Uh, we, we find pleasure in that. Um, and, um, you know, maybe just... <laughs> scratching your dog's ears, uh, you see your dog enjoying that and you find pleasure in doing that because your dog's enjoying it. <clears throat> so I think that God is the same way. A couple of verses here in Psalm chapter 36, verse 7 and 8. Speaking of God here, How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God! Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings, they shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house, and thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy pleasures. <clears throat> God loves to give us pleasure. And God has a river of pleasure. <laughs> it's not just a little bit, but um, it's a river of pleasure. <clears throat> so, in our marriages, do we love to give each other pleasure? Can we freely give each other pleasure? Um, why do we hold back? Why would I hold back from giving pleasure to my wife? Um, and I think it's because of our own fears and selfishness. Why... There's a pleasure in, in giving my wife pleasure. And um, can I just freely experience that, freely give that, and freely get, <clears throat> experience that kind of a relationship? 
So what fears do we have? Um, I think that one fear is the vulnerability of getting to know, of someone knowing me deeply and also of knowing my wife deeply. What am I going to find when I really begin to know another person? What What is my wife going to find if I really become open and transparent and just allow her to know me in a very deep, intimate way? <clears throat> I have some things in that I wish, you know, sometimes that I was different. Um, you know, I think most of us, you know, we struggle to be exposed completely. We're not quite sure how people, you know, I've made comments already. Um, I wonder if people really know who I am. <laughs> um, you know, maybe I could say that here if, you sure you know who I am? You sure you want me to be speaking here about marriage? And uh, but these are <clears throat> these are little fears that we have deep down inside that keep us from becoming intimate and knowing each other. Let's let go of that. First of all, I would say until we come to Christ with who just openly, honestly coming to Christ we probably won't come to each other in that way either. So that's something that can hold us back. <clears throat> there, there are going to be things that, um, that maybe aren't so pretty, but husbands, uh, we're told to make our wives beautiful as Christ makes the church beautiful. And um, wives, you're told you can win your husbands by your chaste and respectful lives. We have a power over each other to, restore the beautiful picture that God came up with in the first place. And there is joy in making each other beautiful. Um, there's deep joy in that. <clears throat> when we first fell in love with each other, hopefully we did. Uh, we were both, uh, so I'll talk about me and my wife, but uh, we were both immature, pretty young. And I would imagine to our parents, <laughs> we had a lot of growing up to do. You know, we were had a long ways to go. But <clears throat> as the saying goes, love is blind. You know, we didn't care. <laughs> we just overlooked each other's faults. We loved each other. So we got married and started living together and learning to know each other. Now, um, this is where <clears throat> so many people and, uh, you know, well-meaning people, but I think that people maybe miss something a little bit. They say, well, <clears throat> you know, you're going to get married and then the rubber's going to meet the road and then you're going to have to do some hard work. Well, there's some truth to that, but <clears throat> a lot of times people say that as, with the impression that marriage is disappointing. And, um, you know, they came, they started out with unrealistic expectations. And after a few years, or maybe not even that long, um, they came back to reality. 
and realized they had to live with this person and they had to work hard at <clears throat> trying to make the relationship work. Um, so in some sense, there's some truth to that, uh, but I'd like to look at what is going on here. And I'd like to present the idea that we have wrong thinking, that we're not thinking straight about how we're looking at all of that. Because when that's presented, a lot of times it's presented in a way that like it's disappointing who the other person is that we hear the other person wasn't quite as good and exciting as we thought they were. <clears throat> now we have to work at loving them. Well, <clears throat> let's back up a little bit. Let's just stop and think about that. What are we really saying? Um, I think the problem is, <laughs> you know, maybe it's not my wife's fault. Maybe it's my fault uh, that the rubber hit the road. And <clears throat> it's not, uh, we don't have to look at it as disappointing, but it's just simply, maybe I went into marriage with selfish ideas and uh, <clears throat> maybe the rubber hitting the road is merely my little selfish ideas being exposed. And, um, you know, <laughs> it's a chance, it's an opportunity to grow, to change, to grow together, to change together, to become like Christ. Um, that's exciting. That's not <clears throat> that's not disappointing. This is this is good. Um, maybe marriage wasn't what we thought it was going to be, but let's let go of our selfish ideas of what we thought pleasure would be, what we thought we were going to get out of marriage. Let's see what God is giving us in marriage. <clears throat> so, as we pursue God and get to know God and long after God, God opens our eyes. We begin to see things. And... Um, you know, his whole desire, he said, is to write his laws on our hearts and in our minds. So we begin, <clears throat> we actually become like God. We think like God. Uh, we feel like God feels about things. I think as long as we're in this world, um, that's a process. I don't know that we arrive <laughs> as long as we live in this world. <clears throat> but we are becoming more and more like God in our feelings and our thoughts so you know god also yearns after his people he longs to show them his glory um, all through the bible we read of god's yearning to know and connect with his people he wanted to give them all kinds of wonderful things if only they wanted him <clears throat> wanted to know him. Just a couple examples. Um, talk about Moses. He, Moses, <clears throat> you know, he wanted to see God's glory. He, Moses just was 
if we can say infatuated with with God. Um, and he actually asked God to see his glory. It seems like a bold request, but <clears throat> God was actually really happy with that request. And, um, you know, God actually was very pleased that Moses wanted to see his glory. And God was delighted to show him. Moses got so close to God <clears throat> that he actually, his face shone with God's glory. Um, so I believe that <clears throat> the marriage relationship uh, has similarities. We long to know each other. <laughs> um, we long to see each other's, <clears throat> you know, who we are and, and just to understand what, um, what, who each other is in the same way that that God longs to show himself to us and, and we long after God. <clears throat> so <clears throat> I just, uh, just a little short testimony here. I, well, let me say this first. I think a lie that people often believe is that to surrender to God's will means giving up the fun things of life that complete surrender <laughs> we have to give up fun so <clears throat> there's a sense of truth in that because a lot of times a lot of the fun that we think of is selfish so so i'm just going to present the question then um is can an unselfish life be fun or can we have pleasure that is if we're not seeking to please self and um i i would just say as long as we're seeking selfish pleasure we have not experienced the pleasure that god has um god's pleasure is much much beyond a selfish, self-seeking pleasure. So here, <clears throat> um, a few weeks ago, I believe it was, I, I was, um, I, I was just seeking God, just thinking about knowing God, and um, you know, it just seemed like God gave me a just a real desire for my wife. Um, no, I've desired my wife lots already, and um, but it was in a different way. It was just like I really wanted to be with my wife and to um, just really get to know her. It, it was, you know, I, I don't know if I can explain that, but it felt like a just a direct gift from God, and so. It was like God was saying, you know what? This is how I feel. Here, you feel like I feel. And, um, man, that was just so wonderful to have those kinds of feelings. <clears throat> now, I think that probably the temptation could be if God would give us feelings towards each other that um, just feelings towards each other, we could become satisfied with each other and forget about god <laughs> but <clears throat> you know god does as we get closer to god god gives us more feelings more connection with each other 
the pleasure is better than a selfish pleasure trying to get what I want. So our thinking is wrong. We don't think right. Romans 12, 2, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. <clears throat> be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Our problems with our relationships begin with wrong thinking. How I think about God and my wife and myself will cause me to act in certain ways. Do I think about my wife as being my wife to give me what I want? Or do I think of her as a precious treasure that God has given me and that I value and want to take the best of care of? <clears throat> how I see God will change how I see my wife. So God took a rib from Adam's side and created a woman. If I am really... If I really adore God, then I will be interested in the things that God has made. What God has made reveals something about himself. And <clears throat> God made a woman. I want to know. I want to see who God is. And um, here's something that God has made that's amazing, incredible. I can learn of God and getting to know my wife. Or for you ladies to getting to know your husband is getting to know and understand a little bit more of who God is. <clears throat> Ultimately, our goal is to know God. Marriage is not the end goal, but <clears throat> we limit ourselves in focusing just on marriage. We're limited, but when we're pursuing God, I think that the possibility in marriage uh, is not limited. Okay, so <clears throat> we're created to give each other pleasure. Um, at God's in God's presence, there are pleasures forevermore. He has a river of pleasures. Um, let's enjoy that. But <clears throat> there's another verse, a couple of verses that are in the Bible. Colossians 3, verse 18 19 says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. And husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Okay, so um, I think these verses assume that sometimes wives will not want to submit to their husbands, and sometimes husbands will be bitter towards their wives. Um, so we have problems sometimes. It seems like when something comes between us, it usually is um, that we're blaming each other. And um, in other words, if I had a good wife, I could have a good marriage or wives. If you had a good husband, you could have a good marriage. And that's <clears throat> that's a problem. We blame each other. So <clears throat> now I realize that there are abusive people 
that are just simply unwilling to work on having a relationship. And I, I'm not really talking about that here. Uh, it could be a whole other subject, how to relate to that. <clears throat> so I'm not saying it's never someone else's fault. But I think that usually the problem is, is that we blame each other instead of taking responsibility for our own problems. Um, so why would, why do husbands get bitter at their wives or why do wives not want to submit to their husbands? <laughs> um, so I'm going to read some verses here. I think are important. Matthew 18, verse 23 to 35. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. But for as much as he had not, not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. <clears throat> the servant therefore fell down and worshiped him saying, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. <clears throat> then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desiredst me. Shouldst not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth, and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Our spouses are our fellow servants. And do we demand that they give us what we want? Or can we release them of their debt to us? <clears throat> A story in the scriptures, Luke chapter 7, verse 41 to 50. There was a certain creditor. Well, this is in the house of Simon. Jesus told this story. He said, there was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, Her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. 
It's a beautiful story. I just love that. Here was a woman that that loved much. And here was a Pharisee that wouldn't even do things that were probably more or less expected um, for the master, Jesus. Pride is a huge problem. <clears throat> we don't want to be wrong. We so badly don't want to be wrong that we often can't even see when we are wrong. And um, we know something's not working, so we blame the other person. But I, <clears throat> if we realize and know that we've been forgiven much, as we have been forgiven much, we have the capacity to love much. And, um, you know, that we have to come to Christ and realize how much Christ has given us and forgiven us. And when we realize that, <clears throat> you know, what my what my husband or wife does um, suddenly looks different. Um, I can forgive. I can love because Christ has loved me so much. I don't have to demand payment. Okay. <clears throat> I want to uh, talk about walking in the light. First John 1 John 1.7 <clears throat> But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sin. Walking in the light. Being open. Being transparent. <clears throat> not hiding anything not covering anything up it says we will have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus his Christ his son cleanseth us so <clears throat> first of all we have to let God into our lives and then we can let each other into our life we can let our husband or wife into our life Um, the more we allow someone into our life, the more potential there is to get hurt. And we know how that works. Many people build walls to protect themselves. <clears throat> Problem is, it's lonely inside the walls. And um, God created us for connection, for relationship. We're not created to be lonely. Read through the Bible. The Bible is about relationships, not really about what rules, about rules that say what we can and can't do. The rules are for relationship. As Jesus said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. <clears throat> so if we have walls built up, Satan has plenty of offerings to tempt us that we can find fulfillment within our walls. He'd, he tries to convince us we can experience the fun, <clears throat> the fun, the pleasure, the fulfillment without accountability, without the accountability of relationship. So this world has many things to offer. There's pornography, prostitutes, romance novels, 
parties, uh, you know, whatever. You can go on and on. But these things are exciting and fun, pleasurable. Um, and it seems like they don't require much of us at first. <clears throat> but in these things, there is no real connection. And we're left empty. And they actually work against relationships. And so we're left more lonely than before. And um, as long as we believe those lies, we're going to become more and more lonely and isolated. We need to tear our walls down and be exposed. <clears throat> closeness with God and closeness with each other goes together. Um, scriptures say if we're a friend of the world, we're an enemy of God. If we're distracted with cares and pleasures of life, we lose our connection with God. On the other hand, if we seek him, we will find him If we, when we seek him with all of our heart. There's so many promises that God wants us to come. He says, how much more will the... Heavenly Father, give good things to those that ask him. We can come and ask. <clears throat> there's another um there's another lie that that is that tempts us, and that is that if we really just give ourselves to God without reserve, that um our husband or wife will have to come second and our marriages will suffer and we won't be able to enjoy marriage as much because um, God will require our first allegiance. <clears throat> but that's a lie. Um, there may be times that we need to do something for God that would require us to, you know, be separated for a time or something. I, <clears throat> I acknowledge that, but look at the people that are living for themselves. They don't even want to be together. They don't, they're not experiencing the, the pleasure that they want. So what if we need to be separated for uh, us, you know, however long we want to be together? <laughs> you know, we have the the pleasure of experiencing the, <clears throat> the closeness. It's not, our marriages will not suffer. Our marriages will suffer if we take our own way. Listen to what the world says. They, they, they say things like familiarity breeds contempt and absence makes the heart grow fonder. I don't, <clears throat> I understand what, what people are saying when they say things like that, but those are not true statements in the kingdom of God. God is always giving us more connection, more relationship, less loneliness, and more connection with him and with each other. <clears throat> you can't go wrong in pursuing God. And um, there's no end to the um to how intimately we can know each other as husband and wife. We can continue to know each other, learn to know each other better and better.
But I don't think it's possible without pursuing, well, there's a limit without pursuing God in our relationships. Um, so let's pursue God with all of our hearts and let's enjoy and learn to know God through our marriage. <clears throat> so I think I'll stop with that. All right. Well, uh, thank you, brother John. I uh, enjoyed that. <clears throat> Was uh, filling my notebook up here with some notes, lots of things that I came away with and uh, was challenged by. Um, and uh, yeah, I too can say I honestly enjoy marriage, but it also can be a time of <clears throat> testing and learning and growing. And, and it shows ourselves how selfish we are in our core and and I think marriage is, is good for helping us to step out of our, our selfishness and to to uh, learn to go beyond that and to, to serve one another. So that's something I've been um, learning as well. And I appreciated your points that you shared on this. And um, something you shared here, if we realize we've been forgiven much, we have the ability to love much. And uh, so true. Um, we can, in the heat of a moment, we can get frustrated and wish that <clears throat> our partner would have done it different. But they have their turn about us doing the same. And and we also, um, God has been so patient and, and so kind with us in spite of us constantly doing things to aggravate him or um, righteousness and uh, living living for him so yeah so true and uh, blaming each other for failure in relationship yeah i appreciated that point of staying away from that and, and learning to live unselfishly so yeah um i'm gonna open it up to anyone else to share comment or ask questions on this talk or or the talk that john shared this morning on raising children so if you uh want to uh, bring a question forward, um, we recommend, uh, encourage that you turn on your video and uh, share that with us. So yeah, I'll just pause here and uh, wait for your questions. Maybe I could make a comment here this morning. Bryant had asked a question that I didn't answer. Um, he said, what about disciplining our children? Um, so that could be a whole talk in itself, but I'll just make a couple of comments. So <clears throat> I think that people are afraid of that a lot of times because of there have there has been a lot of abuse. Um, but let's not be afraid of disciplining our children because of abuse, whether it's we've experienced or whether we've seen it in other people. Um I think we do our children a big disfavor by just letting them um, with a dirty conscience, a guilty conscience, and, and not dealing with it. So I think the <clears throat> there are different ways to discipline. Um, as little children, I, I think spanking is a good method. 
Um, now there again, people have been beat. Um, there's been a lot of abuse. I acknowledge that. Um, but uh, some people I've seen, you know, let their baby just cry um, when they're having a fit and they just let them cry. <clears throat> I don't like to see that. It makes the children angry and angrier and angrier. Uh, I think it's much better to deal with the issue and then hold the child, hold them, connect with them. Um, <clears throat> we did some work for somebody one time that my boss was talking to, and she was saying that she would uh, spank her boys and they would run away and be angry about that. Well, he said, well, next time just hold them after you spank, hold them for a while. <laughs> And she came back, she said, it works. She held them and they were happy. <laughs> and, um, you know, just a little, um, you know, see it the whole way through. They need discipline, but they also need love in it. So, um, yeah, there's different ways. I don't I, I don't want to get into a long discussion, but just want to make that comment. All right. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Very good. Yeah, discipline done in a healthy way and loving way. And I love that um, point about holding them close. It, it makes all the difference. I agree. So another um, question here we had come in on the chat regarding this morning's talk. He, it says this, uh, this morning you talked about helping children relate to other people. Any tips on helping shy children learn to relate to people? oh wow i'm not sure <laughs> i don't have all the answers for one thing but <laughs> i think that the best that we can do for our children is just helping them work through their you know their issues by listening to them and talking with them i don't think it's good to try to force our children if we have a shy child you know it's okay uh to be shy um i think i don't know if i have any specific tips really um mm -hmm. uh, but a lot of times people's hang-ups come from fears and and insecurities and and i i would feel like that's the place to start uh working on trying to understand what's causing the problem what mm -hmm. they're afraid of and try to help them work through that bring them to god the mm -hmm. heavenly father um hmm. yeah i'd say that's very well said like they could have um a host of different weaknesses that we can help them grow out of encourage them rather than uh, belittle them or push them down for how they're behaving or acting yeah so true mm -hmm. appreciate that um yeah another question i have for this afternoon's talk is is there any uh specific um things that are good to do pursue or or rituals habits to have to like maybe on a daily or weekly basis to be able to connect with our wives and uh yeah just some practical things i guess that are good to do to make sure we're spending time or connecting with them well Mm -hmm. Any tips for us on that? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, well, I, I wish I would. Um, sometimes I feel like I, I wish I would be doing it better myself. Um, <clears throat> one thing that I, I think is, is important is praying together. Um, you know, um, I w- would say definitely, you know, unburden your hearts together before God is good. Um, you know, I know a lot of people, you know, they hate go on dates and stuff. And I think those things are all good. Um, I don't know if there's any particular method, um, mm-hmm. but one thing that I like to do with my wife is just take a walk. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of times maybe I come home from work or something. We'll just take a short walk together. That's been very good for us. Um, yeah. Uh, there's <clears throat> don't just come home from work and sit down and bury yourself in your own world. <laughs> yeah. Zone out. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I can appreciate that. Um, especially the going for a walk thing. I've just, we've started to do more of that recently. Our, the way our family is right now, it, it works to just, leave the children and go for a little walk. It doesn't always work that way, depending where the the uh, ages of the children are at. But I've really found that a uh, real blessing to get some fresh air exercise and have time to disconnect and chat. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Any Anybody else have uh, questions or comments? Feel free. Don, can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Okay. Um, and maybe others on on here could possibly weigh in too. Um, just kind of going back to a question more from this morning's topic. Um, any advice on if there's two children in the family that just really struggled to get along? Um, what what do you do? Uh, so a little context. There was one of them that uh, she could pinpoint a time when she kind of decided to not like her sister. Um, anymore. I mean, it's not like she doesn't at all, but uh, there's definitely a lot of conflict between these two. Um, sometimes we've uh, we've had them sit down together, hold hands, and decide on a song, a, a hymn to sing together, and sing together. So that would, that's something they get to do constructive to work together. Um, but I don't I don't know any thoughts. Yeah, that is. A difficulty. (laughs) Um, So one thing I would say, um, an experience we had, one of our children uh, was, well, we have two children that that can kind of, they both want to have the last word. (laughs) Uh, They have a hard time just getting along. Anyway, there there was one time the older one was kind of pecking on the younger one and and the younger one just started to cry. Now she wasn't really, you know, in a way it could have seemed like maybe she needed discipline, but something struck me that, that she is, um, you know, there's something going on here. I, I don't want to just ignore this. And so I actually, we were away from home. I actually took her and, and just held her for, and she just cried and cried for like a long time. 
I don't really know what all was going on, but um, it seemed like something changed um, that day. And um, yeah, there was something that changed in her heart, I believe. They still fight, but um, I would, I guess what I'm trying to say is ask God for opportunities. And whenever you see an opportunity, uh, try to take it, try to um, really get into your children's hearts, um, into what's going what's going on, what they're, they're probably both trying to defend themselves. So, you know, what are they trying to defend? Um, and I don't know, beyond that, I mean, we've, you know, had our children just, we all sit down and say something nice about each other. Um <laughs> You know, that some children have a really, really hard time saying something nice about one of the other ones. But they all really like that when all the other children are saying nice things about them. So, yeah, these are hard things. I don't have a, a just a quick fix for that. But um, I feel like if we really seek God, um, ask him for opportunities to to get into our children's hearts and and uh, we may not really understand, but <clears throat> be able to um, connect with them in a way that that does help. Um, hopefully that, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, some good practical tips there. And uh, yeah, I think I, what, what it sounded like you're getting to in, with your example you shared too is possibly, yeah, what what's at the root? Are they feeling are they feeling a lack of love or of self-worth or value or something like that, that might be frustrating them and causing some of that tension. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Very good. Anybody else? Good afternoon, John. Can you hear me? Yes. You quoted Ephesians 6, 4 this morning. Uh, provoke not your children to wrath. Uh, I'm on the phone line, by the way. Um, what, how, how do we provoke our children to wrath? Sure. What are your thoughts well, on yeah. <clears throat> I have... I have observed... Um, in my own home and also in other homes. Um, I think a lot of times what makes our children angry is when we require things of them that we aren't willing to do ourselves. Um, like we aren't willing to deal with our own issues or we're, we're demanding from them um, something to make us look good we're frustrated with them because they're embarrassing us. Uh, we're not willing to to give up our own uh, our own problems. Um, so anyway, <clears throat> just a couple of examples. There was one family that we lived neighbors to for a while, and the child was, you know, would be ornery, would do something, and the parents would just swat him. Uh, they'd give him a swat on the rear. Um, they wouldn't stop and deal with the problem. They just give him a swat, and you could just watch him. He would. It made him angry. 
Um, that doesn't work. You need to stop, work through the problem, um, you know, till the child has a clear conscience and you can be happy with each other. Um, you know, uh, I've seen parents, a child is doing something and the, the parent just kind of suddenly out of the blue, um, you know, does something swats them or, or, um, or yells at them or something that it's kind of like a shock <clears throat> that the child was unprepared for. Um, you know, that's, that's very hurtful. There's a, there's a way to deal with it, take them and, and work through it. Um, belittling them in public um, because we're embarrassed of them. These are things that are very, make children angry. Um, you know, not, not listening to your child makes them angry. Um, if you just have an agenda, you won't listen to your child. Um, yeah, there could be probably a whole host of things, but, but being sensitive, if you see your child becoming angry, um, you know, probably time to stop and, and try to figure out what's, what's going on. Mm -hmm. Those are, those are all, those are all ways. There's another way that we can provoke our children to wrath. And mm -hmm. that is, that is withholding them something that they need mm -hmm. and something I see older, older grandparents. And I, I despise seeing it is they, they hold out a candy to a, to a, to a grandson or granddaughter, or even any little child, they hold it out, and the child reaches for it, and they grab it back, and they take it back, and they hold it out again. And that, to me, is, is I despise seeing that, because all you're doing is making that child angry. Mm -hmm. You're withholding it from him. You, you, you're, yeah, yeah, he wants it. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I hate that. They call it teasing, but I, 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 don't, I don't like it. Mm -hmm. uh, and what upsets a child is we withhold from them of what they need, which is time, affection, mm -hmm. listening ear, approval, discipline, and protection, and unconditional love. Mm -hmm. Those are all things that can make a child the uh, wrath. Yeah, that's right. That that teasing, uh, I I just don't. <laughs> that, that's something hard for me to swallow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, that um, principle of <clears throat> that you mentioned in this afternoon's talk, if we realize we've been forgiven much, we have the ability to love much, uh, applies to our children as well. We need to show patience um, and, and show mercy and forgiveness and give time just like we appreciate God dealing with us. And that's something I have to constantly remind myself in because... I can get so frustrated and impatient with my children and wish they would just learn this already and I wouldn't have to repeat it. I've already um, addressed this issue, but how many times has God had to address something in my life and I'm just too slow or lazy to learn? Yeah, been good thoughts. Keep it up. Is there anybody else? Am I on? Yes. Yeah. Bye. 
Uh, I really like your thoughts and not provoking our children to anger. And I recognize that I've done way too much of that. One comment I could make on the something that we've learned the hard way on, you know, siblings that tend to fight a lot. Um, when there's a new baby, the baby of the family still needs a lot of attention. The former baby of the family, number two. Um, I know we've missed that in a big way a few times, and that, that can really cause a child to uh, hate his younger sibling. So, yeah. We just recently had a baby, and I don't know, can you see this? How visible is that? Yeah, we can um, somewhat see it, I think. Oh, there's the one I wanted. Okay. The, the new baby is six or seven hours old. So that was a good start. Um, that wasn't it, though. So the little guy was acting up and had to step back. That's just a little time on mom or dad's lap. That's all he needed. Hmm. Anybody else experience that? Yeah, I think I can relate to what you're saying. Um, and if for for our family, it's easy to not pay attention to the older ones um, and just give the little ones all our love and attention. And uh, I've been reminded that, especially as children become older and and become teenagers, they they want to be able to have time to connect and chat like adults. I've just been finding that out with uh, my oldest, who's now a teenager, and making sure I take time for them as well. All of our children, they're each important. So I can definitely relate to what you've seen in the little ones there. I see. So I need to apply the same principle to, to all of our children, of course. Yeah. Yeah, good. Very good. Anybody else uh, before we wrap this up? Can you hear me okay? Yes. John, I appreciated your talks. Um, maybe more on the one this morning. Um, I'm just curious for some pointers or experience on helping your children deal with peer pressure and maybe even where your family stands with technology, internet access in the home phones, etc. I know that can be a broad subject. Yeah, well, that is a big subject. <clears throat> so um, we don't give our children phones uh, very young, but, you know, maybe once they're 18 or 19 or something like that, they might, um, our older children have phones, but um, so you know, the whole thing of peer pressure, I think there again, it starts with us. Um, 
as we, you know, if our, if we're always trying to make a good impression in church or wherever, um, you know, that does get passed on. So we need to, we need to be right ourselves, um, first of all. And then, <clears throat> I don't know, it, it's, it's not easy to navigate through all of this, but, um, you know, I, I don't know how to make all these decisions other than seeking for God's help. But like where we, where we go to church affects our children a lot. We can't expect uh, to go someplace and that not to have an effect on them, even if we don't agree with everything. However, um, you know, anywhere we go, we need to be able to take a stand as a family um, that we may not do everything that everyone else does. Um, it's a sensitive subject because if we become too controlling with our children, that can actually make them bitter and they just want to run away. But, you know, if we are connecting with our children and it makes sense where we stand on things, um, children are tend to want to defend their parents unless there's a breakdown in relationship. So, yeah, these are, <clears throat> these are not just things that, uh, that can be quickly figured out, but they need work through. Um, I, I guess I do feel like we have to be able to take a stand. Um, you know, sometimes as parents, that's hard. Um, but, but not be unreasonable. If we're going to be part of a church that does things a certain way, um, you know, we have to be reasonable in our, in our differences, I guess. Um, and our expectations for our children, there may come a point where we need to go somewhere else. If, if, if the peer pressure is overwhelming in a bad way, uh, that we don't expect our children to be able to handle that, um, handle that pressure. Um, if we could do something different. Um, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't feel like I have just a, <clears throat> a quick answer on that one but um good good question <laughs> things to work through thank you for your thoughts it's a, it's a tough and a big subject that takes continued work mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yes very well said well uh we'll probably wrap this up soon um We'll just give it a minute here if anybody has a pressing comment or question yet. Well, thank you, all of you who participated here. It was a good afternoon and good discussion here and questions here at the end. And thank you, John, for allowing um, your time um to share with us both this morning and this afternoon it was uh it was great great to have you on and share um your insights from the word and from your experiences so thank you again and god bless you for that so 
Um, to wrap this up, um, would you again close us in prayer and uh, then we'll dismiss? Sure. Lord God, we are grateful for what you have given to us in marriage and in children and your desire uh, to be represented on this earth in these relationships. So I ask for everyone um, that was part here today, everyone that may listen to these messages in the future, and Lord, people we live with, our churches, um, just bring life into our homes, Lord, and give us um, a glimpse of what who you are in our marriages and and in our in our families. Pray against all the lies that we are tempted with to uh, to believe that we can know the truth and the truth will make us free. We give you glory and we want to see more of your glory uh, because you're an awesome God. You've given us, you've done such wonderful things and uh, we're thrilled with that. So we bless you and and uh, just give you the the yeah, give our lives to you to do as you please. And um, we believe, have confidence that you will give us pleasure. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, God bless all of you and uh, go with God and love your spouse well and, and treasure your children deeply. We'll talk later. God bless. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend.